let me think. What's a good subject to talk about? We haven't been. I haven't been uh, overly following the Barfield study because you guys have the. Um, I don't know that I'm going to make it, but uh, the talk tomorrow, right, or the Q and A. Yeah. Do you have any questions Mark that you want to to have me <sighs> in that discussion? I don't know. I haven't really put a ton of thought into it. Um, his uh, an interesting what do you? Th- he's because he's. How do you think of his last his, talk with Paul? Uh, he's, I don't know. it's interesting, right? Because he's kind of like he's. I feel like he's. He's part of this this large and growing group of people that are kind of on the fence of something in a certain way, is how I read it. I don't know if you read the same yeah. thing. It's like they're they're kind of. They want in, but they want in on their own terms. Yeah, I think that he is, He's. if I had to guess, I mean, he talks about some personal stuff, mm-hmm. but if I had to guess, he he is, um, I think he's very hesitant of uh, traditional, I don't know, and God, that's a word that fudges too, but uh, historic and or traditional christianity and christian practice i think he's a lot more um i think he's a lot more open to aspects of christianity but probably a lot more on um and mystical level i mean he clearly likes mysticism which is cool but he Mm -hmm. um but yet he's very um i don't know he still seems to me approaches it in a very individualistic path um which i don't know i don't know that's a complicated that's an interesting conversation of the whole balance of um i've been thinking about that more the balance of christianity uh with the individual versus i mean the individual and the collective and and uh what that means and how that relates to oneself and one's faith and what it looks like in the West is all a really interesting conversation. Yeah, that's but good he tends to go about his his unwillingness to kind of. Um, I, he does seem to want to. He seems to focus on what Barfield wants to make um, as kind of an individual, in internal psychological sort of change. Um, yeah. Yep. Like the whole, I mean, he loves the the kingdom of God is within you. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. loves that verse, which, and I do too. But I think that the um, this is um, maybe the way that I could illustrate it. And I'm struggle. I'm still working out how to talk about this. But in my um, in my discussion with Job, when we were talking about theology, which I don't know if you watched or listened to, but um, he. Uh, This is, I brought up the term, and Sherry and I may get into talking about this, but um, but I I just, I threw this term out, I mean, stream of consciousness, but I said kind of the faux dualisms of Western ways of thinking. And and what I mean by that is that at, at some point, the interactions between these kind of simple binaries and dualisms that we have are are just that they're just they're frames and somehow there's a frame outside of a frame so even like the individual and the collective there's some way there's some kind of mystical 
ineffable way that the universal and the particular uh, interact and have harmony. And, um, and so there is, there is some way in which, like, I would say in my Christianity, my faith, I'm extremely individualistic in that I do think it's about um, self-awareness, taking the log out of your own eye, uh, rectifying, not lying to yourself, doing that inner work. But yet that's never um, in like a panentheistic way. If you're doing that and if you're orienting toward the good and you're interacting with the logi in everything and you're interacting with the you know the broader logos like that is that's the individual and the universal mystically meeting in function and so it's not one or the other like this is the whole kind of fit uh you know work salvation stuff i'm just like it's not even i don't even have a category for that (laughs) it's just like if you are if you are participating in the logos and your interactions of, with everything, you, it, it's the individual and the universal meeting. And so th- there is no doing good works apart from God. There isn't right. such a thing. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I think, well, it, in, in some sense it is you, you do the good works, but it's God working in you that's doing it. And so it's very it's weird it's 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 there's some sort of voluntary aspect of your choosing to agree with what god wants to do in you right and there's and there there's there's some difficulty in that right even in you know jesus like when he's praying in the garden of gethsemane right there's a there's a difficulty in willing to be partnering with god but um there's there's a sense in which um I don't know. I think there's a sense in which as we mature as Christians, there's something like, you know, where we, we, we feel, we feel less of that kind of immediate, easy presence that kind of pulls us along and we feel more alone in terms of, of acting out what we Mm -hmm. feel like we're supposed to do. I think it it seems, I mean, are you talking about like the, what's, what sometimes is referred to as like the honeymoon phase? You yeah, know? and and I just think that's that's kind of what we all experience in every aspect of life, though. I mean, it's like a sure, and 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 the things, it's it's a weird thing where you, <clears throat> the things that are most real are the things that can sur- can survive the ups and downs that 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 you stick with um, beyond just a kind of momentary catharsis of, of emotion, you know. Sure. Did you um? Oh, so first thing is, I think your mic is cutting out just a little bit in and out. Okay, so is it cutting out while I'm talking, um, is it, or is it just cutting off the ends of what I'm saying, or is it cutting off the beginning, or or just in the middle? Oh, it's, it's cutting, cutting out, out just yeah, it's cutting out in the middle, but but it's but it's really, and maybe I'm imagining it, but it's really minor. Okay. Like it's just, it's barely, like it's almost like your mind can fill in the gaps, but I do think it is cutting out just a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this just a little bit. Okay, I made an alteration. So like this 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 application's made for gamers. And so okay. 
what it, it basically has is <coughs> it, it's it's intended to turn off all the time probably probably to save bandwidth but also to um so that you don't hear oh. all the background noise going on and 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 you only hear when oh, that makes sense. Yeah. some sort of instruction so i turned off the auto feature and then i set the threshold really low so now it's just saying that i'm talking all the time so that should am i not cutting out oh. now no i don't hear it as much anymore but we'll see so um okay shoot now i i lost my track i had something i was going to say i had a train but it got derailed. Was it related to what I um, just said, or was it just on a different yeah, thread? I was talking related. about how the things that are most real kind of need to survive the kind of uh, vicissitudes of life with the up oh, and down. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I think, I don't know, I need to re-listen to it, um, but I, uh, what, what I would, did you hear um, Julian and Nick's rando conversation? No, I'm so behind, but I, I'd appreciate it. Uh, every... I found interesting, just send my way. Cause I'm like, I have like, I'm so far behind. Yeah. I don't even know where to pick up. And I'm like, Oh, I wish I had like a cliff notes. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, at this point, really, there's too many, Yeah. there's too many um, conversations to keep up with. So I'm, I'm a lot more selective in them too, because you just, you can't do all of them. And so, um, and then in the Discord, people are, you know, referencing other things. There's like Ruben and Ravi Zacharias. And I mean, there's all sorts of things. You can't do it all. But um, I actually, in that video, <clears throat> so it was one of my, um, it's one of my more uh, higher up in my hierarchy conversations in the Paul Vanderclay world. I thought it was really good. There were a lot of really great points. And I actually have a this running commentary. Julian. Yeah. So okay. it's the most recent one, I think, but I have in the comments, I have just like a running commentary with the things that I found meaningful with like timestamps. So there you go. There's a cliff notes. <laughs> I'll check that out. And, um, there's one point in particular though, that's related to this where Nick was talking about authenticity and he was talking about, he's talked about his social media, how he thinks of social media before. And it's almost like a wax museum where people are putting forth just like these projections of themselves. But, mm -hmm. um, and I need to re-listen to it because the way that he described it is spot on. And it's exactly how I, how I, uh, have not articulated, but how I feel and understand authenticity also, which is not that it's a, cause Julian brought up the question of just largely in our culture, authenticity is thought of as this really, high thing and like all that matters is you're being authentic but mm -hmm. but how we use that term colloquially and how we understand it just in in the common parlance is that you, that is that it's extremely subjective sure and, and not even subject what's the right word is that it's it's just like follow your own truth but but kind of in that dualistic divorced from the universal also really individualistically right but the way that the way that nick framed it and i think this is this is the way i understand authenticity also is is when someone's being truly authentic it isn't divorced from the universal when someone's being truly authentic they're being authentic to themselves transcendent of time which is the same thing as being in harmony with logos it's the same thing yeah it reminds me of, of Lewis's quote, something to the to the effect of don't don't try to be original, 
just try to articulate the truth as best you can and you'll end up being original just because of your own <laughs> unique perspectival, you know, position on truth. I, right. I heard a, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day. I listen to the Pete Holmes podcast sometimes, like you made it weird with Pete Holmes. And uh, he had this guy on who I wasn't familiar with. I'll try to find, he's an author. I'll try to find his name quick uh but he made that exact same point which i thought was just awesome ryan holiday that guy mm, what's his back he mode uh so he his new book is called stillness is the key hmm. um but he sounded like a really interesting guy um but he was making this point he made that exact same point which he was saying like they were talking about how comedians sometimes just pretend like a lot of times they'll take on the persona of another comedian they like. And so they're just really being that comedian. They're actually doing like a different act, but just like in their own voice kind of, mm -hmm. where he says authors will a lot of times do that, you know, like someone will come out with a big book and then people kind of write on its coattails or they'll be kind of leeching off of this idea that was successful and worked. But really it's, that's kind of like a, in, in what Nick and Julian were saying, and back to that point, that's kind of a false authenticity. Even though they're finding some resonance with it, it's not them. They're just, or it's kind of like in the line of thinking, it's almost like a regurgitation thing with like a slight twist, which is really like a transactional way to try to project your own authenticity. But what he was saying is like, essentially that Lewis quote, he said the exact same thing. He was saying just, I don't know why people aren't just, trying to be themselves because he said the, th the thing that's so great about being yourself is like you have a monopoly on it like you've cornered the market yeah there isn't anything else <laughs> there's nobody can compete with that because nobody else has your voice well and this is i think where the, the kind of the whole image of god thing is really important that we don't i don't think that we it's articulated well or people don't internalize it that there is something really there's something special and unique about you as a person. Um, and I, I've always thought, you know, one of the things that, you know, there's some, there's some sort of correlation between what we, what you could think of as holiness and uniqueness too, right? There's um, th this kind of other quality, which we assign to God, but I think, which is also something we, we desire for in ourselves, that there's something distinct about us, um, but the problem is, I think the thing that is distinct about us is actually some fragment of God acting in us. And we kind of have to discover that and take that seriously in some sense, like to to interact with it. Like it's like a kind of like an artist finding its muse or something like that. But it's, it's you have to. And it's funny mm. how many people do take this extra step of, <clears throat> of personifying some this this aspect of who they are as a way of. It's it's this this whole spirit of geometry versus finesse. Like we almost we have to, you know, whether it's person like it's 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 difficult to say what is actually a personality and what's not. But we do better in terms of our 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 understanding of ineffable things when we personify and we treat it as like this 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 thing that almost has its own agency and will. And you know, Peterson uses that language all the time too when he talks about ideas having their own kind of desires and. Mm -hmm. us not understanding what what those ideas desires are and you know and, and and when we don't understand that we're kind of at their whim um but yeah, yeah like, no 
Yeah, Paul mentioned that recently too, that we, we look down on people that personify things that we don't think have the quality of personhood, but we, we actually are kind of, we're dimming our own ability to understand the world by, by pretending that so many parts of it are dead. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Yeah, that's for sure true. And that's almost, and I don't know if this is related, but I mean, it's kind of the idea of, uh, uh, I mean, it gets into what JP's been talking about, the idea of panpsychism and even what we've talked about before. Rupert Sheldrake uh, brings this in is that he just thinks, I think he said in one of his interviews when someone was asking about panpsychism and he was just saying like, I don't think panpsychisms or panpsychists go far enough. He's like, I just think we should go into a full-blown animism, <laughs> which is uh, everything is conscious and agent mm -hmm. and awake and alive. And, um, and, I, and I think that's true too, even within... I don't know. I, I had similar thoughts to that when I was listening to Paul's most recent and what was he, I can't remember specifically what his illustrations were, but he was talking about just what you were saying, personality and, uh, yeah. Was it ideas? What was he saying? He was, he was flowing off of a conversation. What was it? Like a Peter Thiel and Weinstein or something. I can't remember, but I remember him saying something about, personality and i mean because that is really somewhat my frame is that i think and i think lewis gets at these kinds of ideas within his space trilogy and also within some of his broader work or i think of it in terms of even like tolkien and and his uh silmarillion and the creation account and stories and just and the ancient idea of even angelic hierarchies and and principalities and dominions and things is like, those are, I mean, I don't know how to think of them if it's personalities or conscious agents and whether or not they have will or whether or not they have intellects. I mean, this is where it would be <clears throat> where I'm a little bit ignorant of how these have been historically talked about and thought about, mm -hmm. but because we're, but because we're in modernity, we're in such this ridiculous phase of, nominalism where we treat all that stuff as metaphor and just like mere mental projections uh, versus something that's potentially real and alive which by that I don't mean like biologically alive I just mean um, I don't know what I don't know what that means like does that mean have having a will having a consciousness having a purpose having a goal a telos maybe yeah um, well, it, it makes. Well, no. I, I think there's there's again <coughs> there's something we've lost, and I think modern evangelicalism and just just um, Christianity in general, and, and broadly speaking, I'd, I'd say you know I'd agree with Paul in terms of like the whole West is Christian, like whether it even yeah. you know, oh I agree, the, um, and and part of what where where that Christian thought has gone is more into the deistic world where we. Even people mm -hmm. that conceive of a creator, they think of God as so distinct from the creation, you know. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I, I, I do think God is distinct from creation, but I don't, I do have questions. I, I, it seems like that's that's be... the that's the weird difference between, and I don't know exactly how to talk about it either, because mm -hmm. I agree. That's I mean, classic in 
classic theism, that's true. But that's the weird mystical difference between pantheism and panentheism. Mm -hmm. There's some way in which God is in and through and under and throughout everything, but he's not the thing. Yeah. Like, and somehow, I think, I don't know, some at some point on Paul's channel, and who knows, the intro to orthodoxy guys and different people are going to get into it, but somehow I think it gets, that. that's, that's what the... Um, early church fathers meant by the, it's the whole energy essence distinction. I mm. think is yeah, he's, that he's behind God the thing, his, yeah. but he's also maybe yeah. closer to the thing than we might realize in terms of like, he, he, oh, may, yeah. he may be so much more involved. I think <clears throat> Chesterton said something along these lines about, you know, we, and I think he had this great series. I, I got to find where the, where the quotation comes from, but he, where he talks about, you know, we don't know that God doesn't take great joy in like causing every flower to bloom every morning or like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that like, in some sense, you know, the essence of what we think of is, is like children is like their ability to have wonder at these things. And, and mm -hmm. one of the things children love is repetition. Like they, they like the, the kid, uh. they, when they like something they say again, and that maybe, he, he says, maybe our father is younger than us in terms of like he, he takes, <laughs> yeah. he, he still has this wonder built into all these things that he's doing. And I, I think there, there's, there's some, there's gotta be some truth in that. I think like you think about what upholds creation and gives it movement and breath and like, like just even what's energy, you know, we don't, yeah. we don't have, we don't know what that is. I mean, and, and it seems like oh. it must have some could God create us like a watch and just walk away? Yes. I, I don't think he has. And I think there's, there's good theological reasons to think that he hasn't, that he's much more involved. Um, and then, yeah. And then, I don't know. So yeah, keep going, keep going. Sorry. So it also, I also think, you know, like, you know, when Jesus, when he's talking about, you know, if I, I tell you the truth if these did not, did not uh, praise me, then the rocks would cry out. You know, was was that just some yeah. sort of hyperbole, or was he like <laughs> mm -hmm. actually saying something yeah. real there? Like, and and there's there's right. A, <laughs> if you look at a I lot agree. of the apocalypse yeah. literature, there's something. There's well, first of all, you have Paul's stuff talking about the future, where he says, you know, all creation is growing, groaning to see the the revelations of the sons of God. But there's there's mm -hmm. also the sense in in um, a lot of apocalypse literature where where nature does become personified, where the, like the world itself <clears throat> right. and, and the sun and the moon, all these things kind of take on this, they become oh. become characters in the story again, um, right. and which is very interesting. Even in, I, I remember seeing this, I found this really fascinating. I, I, I think it was um, some one of the Islamic texts where they, part of their apocalypse is, is like the destruction of Israel. And, um, and like they have like even the rocks and trees crying out, Oh, there's a Jew hiding behind me, so they can go find them all and destroy them all. And um, <laughs> you, you just—it's—it's—I it's, it's, don't know—it's interesting that that this is kind of replete. Yeah, it makes you wonder if we won't have some sort of return to seeing the world alive again. Um, and, and, and sure, in terms that of like a world consciousness. Yeah, that reminds. Oh, there's so much stuff within that. I think that's all. Uh, great. So there's, there's three things that I thought of while you were talking that I think are great. Um, so the, and I mean, they're all connected kind of, but like you were talking about this childlike joy and the Chesterton quote of like, maybe God is just 
younger than us still, or whatever, what are the words that he used? Like more youthful. Um, I think for sure. And that's the idea of just like the mirth or joy or even classically understood like the, uh, um, this is something that I think, um, a lot of ancients have written on, but also, um, David Bentley Hart has written on like a bliss, like that's considered almost one of the like most core characteristic traits of God. And, um, and what it made me think of actually was, um, Jesus saying, you know, becoming like little children. And it made me think of the little ones, which are this, this, uh, group, this species of people in George McDonald's book, Lilith Hmm. that are, um, essentially, they're essentially like things to be, um, they're, they're people to be, or they're a species of people to be, um, admired and emulated almost within the book. I think, I mean, that's a book I need to reread because it was so, it's the kind of book that was so utterly beyond me and like so full of profundity and meaning that like I was just, I was way too small (laughs) to be able to take it in at the time when I read it, but I knew, but I could just, but I could feel the gravity of it. So, um, so that's one thing. And then even, like the rocks crying out and the trees crying out. I mean, that makes me think of, I think that's what, like that's what Tolkien is getting at with his Ents. And that's what Lewis is getting at with like his talking animals and the further up and the further in and everything. I mean, this is the all creation waiting with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God, because that's, because I agree. I mean, I think that's what will happen. I think when, when humanity, when people put off the flesh and put on God and put on Christ and become, and become, maybe, maybe, you know, what Gregory Nyssa said, move from having to being and, and go through whatever this process of theosis is, which reminds me of, of a lot of what I was trying to talk about in my talk with Job, which, which I see as like walking on water. And like you will do <clears throat> greater things than these. Like that's what I see that as. I see Peter walking on water as like a as like a snapshot, like a a glimpse into the future, the potential of what humanity is. Because that's what I that's what that's how I understand that Peter, when he saw Jesus on the water and he stepped out of the boat and he started walking to him, he was so he was so absorbed into the beauty of God in the face of Jesus Christ to quote St. Paul that he, that he merged fully with the logos and with Christ as the logos to such a degree, like almost in a guy Sinstock circling kind of merging, listening, mm-hmm. becoming one thing that he walked on water. Like he was doing the thing that Christ did because he, because he was becoming one with him. He, he ceased he ceased to have <clears throat> the kind of spirit of geometry, transactional fear that cared about the waves. Like those are irrelevant, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know. And at that point, you could walk on water, you can move mountains. And so, I don't. Well, this, and this even is getting I don't back know, you to said that individual and the collective that you you kind of started <clears throat> with, right? Where like yeah, you know, this is there's something that happens merging with happen the universal. Individual. And you can have impacts around yeah. you, but you you also need the help. Of, you need something from the collective as well. There's something there that you need to help sustain you and to. Um, we're to constantly. We're, 
Yeah, and we're constantly um, interacting with that and in play with that because that's that's part of <clears throat> that's part of the totality of who we are. And when we forget that, um, I would almost say when we forget that, we're way too much in our minds, and we're and we're in like the egoic intellect that I try to talk about, and we're we're divorced from our body and the majority of our whole knowledge because that's because that's intimately and inextricably connected to the collective, to humanity, to whatever, Jung, the collective unconscious. It's it's in your that is connected to your whole being. Whereas you and your idea of yourself as an autonomous individual is divorced from that. But like you can only live in that world um, when you're in that spirit of geometry, which is I mean, and that's probably just another way to say what I'm trying to get at with my whole egoic intellect thing. Um, and when you're in that place, you're you're automatically divorcing yourself from communion. You actually can't have communion, which um, which gets at I don't know. This is kind of what Sherry and I were going to talk about because she she reached out to me on the Discord and wanted to talk because she because essentially she watched her. I think this is what happened. She watched. Uh, the conversation I had with Job, and she was just like, whatever you're trying to say in that conversation is, she was just like, that's how I experience the world. And she said, like, I've, I've never, I've never come across someone who's articulating something or trying to so closely to like the way that she experiences the world. Um, and probably, the, I don't know, the only way that I can think about even saying it is continuous communion. Like, that's almost what, like, I think I th one way I could maybe say it is by, this. By this guy, Brother Lawrence. <clears throat> I've heard of Brother Lawrence. Yeah, that that's such an. Sounds movie. like what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, but yeah. He, he has he has an interesting like it just like in terms of he's experiencing like being overwhelmed by God like in just doing simple things like you know chores. It's 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 yeah. a very interesting yes. book. Um, and that's what I was trying to talk about with Joe because it's like, and that's why it's not that disciplined, set apart, intentional times of prayer aren't good, but, but that's like what I, I don't, I feel like I'm talking, I feel like I'm interacting with God all the time because really I think when you, when you see the universal in the particular everywhere, and another way to say that is like when you see God everywhere, when you re when you really start to have eyes that view the world that way, you cease being transactional and you cease compartmentalizing all this stuff. You cease you cease thinking like, oh, God's over here and the world's over here. Mm -hmm. All these all these false dichotomies and dualisms just go away. Yeah. Um, and you're. And, and I don't think, I think to be in that place all the time and to be fully communing with God is what Jesus was and did. And I mean, that's almost like to, to that's like the end goal of theosis or what Jesus was, you know, but even he, you know, learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So um, I'm not saying I'm there, but, but I, but I think I, I see it of being and I think I participate in it you know to degree and at times yeah um, 
which is a really hard thing to describe to people, but that's where like I think Brother I Lawrence thing. That's where washing like... your clothes is is communion with God. <laughs> yeah, I, it's something I'm I'm I have moments of it. You know, often I need help. I need I need somebody else's lens or eyes that I can borrow temporarily to kind of push me there. And I think, you know, again, a lot of that is just because of the environment we're saturated in, the collective representations, you know, that we have available to us, right? Which is, you know, yeah, 100% is, is, is they don't see those things. Like, so none of the words I'm using now, I don't have, I didn't choose any of these words. They, they existed before me, the way they're used, the meanings ascribed to them are changing and they're, they're, I've picked them up from the people around me. So there's there's certain yeah. limitations of them that I've internalized, yeah. which I think yeah. any sort of discovery or enhancement of your knowledge of the world in some sense involves, if you're going to talk about it or, or relay it to somebody else, um, you're going to either have to, I think, either use language in novel ways where you're almost discovering new meanings in the words, or maybe you're... Maybe you could think of you're actually rediscovering some some deep meaning in the word that was already there mm-hmm. that, that has yeah. been lost to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so there's there's yeah there's something about the, the language itself which is both the enemy in this problem, but it's also I think the, <laughs> the fix is is kind of a, a, a kind of a, a some sort of turning in language because there's still such as this this perceived. Every, we're so all infected with it. And I think this is, you pick up on this yeah. a lot and get, it irritates you within Paul's community and even within Paul himself to some extent, is this just this super high status for this perceived precision of language. Uh, and, and, and a kind of along with that precision is a draining of the meaning of the word where it's like you think you've, you've drained all the complexity out of the word and it just means this very little, tiny little precise thing that you can now manipulate as, as a block within yeah. your structures of thought. Um, which is uh, it's the spirit of geometry or I mean that's what yeah it's the um, it's the analytical mind it's um, and it's a hard thing and part of it is probably just my own frustration too in the in my um, my inability to communicate with people because I'm not particularly good at that kind of precision Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm much more of a forest than a trees person um, so it's really hard for me to, um, to try to explain something that I see to someone who doesn't see it because I can't, it's hard for me to break it down into enough precise ways and terms, but yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's kind of the, um, to your language point and how it's like when you said it's, it's the enemy. It can be the enemy, but it's also uh, sometimes the means in a very barfield way, you know, in a history, the history in English words of going into it as fossils to uh, re revivify uh, different consciousness and potentially future consciousness because these words are embedded with, with all this wonder and awe and transcendence, you know, um, I don't know. They're uh. You go ahead. Yeah, go. I was just gonna say no, you go. something about language that that is 
is so powerful in terms of creation, right? Um, and, and actually making new things possible. For for instance, like this whole Jordan Peterson phenomenon is 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 I still kind of astounding to me. But something in in the things he's articulated is actually opened up a new space of possibility that people that which is in, like we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, right? If that hadn't happened, it created right. this whole space. Um, so there's something right. tremendously powerful there that he did. He, and, and the the things he was articulating were always there in some sense, but uh, for them to be interact with, with by consciousness, it needed this articulation yeah. of it. Um, yeah. And it allowed for greater communal participation in a, in like an actively conscious collective way. And so it's almost like it was this, you know, potential energy or, or potentiality that was just there latent and it was waiting for, uh, I don't know, articulation, cultivation, uh, you know, someone to come along and unearth it or something. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, and Jordan Peterson is still like, he's so, I had forgotten just how it is funny when people talk about him or how his, and I brought, I maybe mentioned this to you or brought it up, but when Paul had gone back to his biblical series and was just playing things from that, mm-hmm. it, it just reminded me of just how good and how brilliant he is because all the stuff that I think Paul has slowly been uncovering and unearthing and like our little community has been talking about and learning, it's all there. Like most of what we talk about all the time are like in the little clips that he had of like that first biblical series. Um, totally, it's it's like a it's like a lattice and, structure for for this possibility to to build new things on. Yeah, he's a. I don't know. He's a. He's an interesting. He's an interesting person to really think about on a large frame to just be like. Like what terms, like what is he and what does he represent and what is God doing through him? Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly he's bringing people back to faith and out of nihilism and things, but. Um, I, I honestly, I don't think Jordan is, is aware of, of, of a per, even a small percentage of what he's doing. I, I think. No. He, he, yeah, he, I agree. I, I, I bet he has so many wrong conceptions about what this journey has been and what it's about and everything, what it's accomplished and everything. And, and, and in some sense, that's a blessing because, but, but he's so laser focused on his ideas. He, he's kind of own biography of telling the truth and things like that and being mm-hmm. laser focused on, on saying that that's what he, and you, he has, you know, you could even sense a certain amount of trepidation in him when he rose to prominence that, that this, this, this being swept up in this wave was going to necessarily sweep him off of his feet and he wouldn't be able to follow those, those dictates that, that were so important to him, like that he would somehow trip somewhere and not do that. Uh, and he knew that he knew how important it was. And he'd, he'd been like spending a lifetime kind of in the shadows saying that this is really important mm-hmm. and kind of following it out slowly in terms of his life. And then suddenly it, it thrusts him into the limelight and he's like, Oh no, can I still do it at the, in this, in this, uh, on this big yeah. stage? Um, I think he's he's so it almost yeah. 
what what it reminds me of i mean did you i'm you've probably heard when he talked about so on a few different podcasts he's talked about he's had a couple uh i think he's had a couple psychedelic uses uses but this mm-hmm. the one i'm thinking about in particular wasn't um i don't even think it was psychedelic but he had but he had like a trip like trance state and i think it's where he was Oh man, it was somewhere when he was maybe on the East Coast or maybe at Harvard or something. And it, I think it's when he was he was listening to some particular bit of music. Mm-hmm. It's maybe the symphony, which like or that piece that plays when his videos start, like his intro. And then he was, I think he was working on uh, designing or thinking about kind of that. It's not even. <clears throat> it's not even three D. It's almost like four D image, you know. That is like kind of the symbol on his avatar and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> but he has what a piece. What is? What's the origin of that symbol? Well, that's just the thing. I, I, so I don't know that I'm going to be able to reiterate it here and rearticulate it of what he was saying. But he was, he was working on it, and I don't know what it is. Oh, it's that's, almost that's like his own a creation. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, and it's. I think it's almost like his conception or his processing of, of like a fourth dimensional thing. Um, but anyhow, he was building it cause it, cause it's actually a physical, he has it in his house somewhere. Like that's just a 2d representation of it, but he has it, which I think is 3d and depending on how you look at it, like maybe has weird dimensions to it. Uh-huh. It, but it's physically in his house somewhere, and he was working on that building it, and he almost got in like a trance state. And he, ha- I think this is at the same time. Maybe I'm conflating two stories, but he essentially had a vision where he was like in, and he even at the time he was hesitant to bring it up because it seems so kind of seems like a bit of megalomania. But he was saying he had a vision where he was essentially in this grand coliseum, and he was like being pitted against essentially the devil. And, um, and he remembered like interacting with some sort of like God type thing of just being like, and he remember, he said, he remembers having the thought of like, why is this happening? Or like asking, why is this happening? And the answer being something like, because you can, or because you will win. Yeah. I remember that. I found that, I found that really interesting. But that's what that reminds me of. Like that vision almost reminds me of like a premonition of what has happened to him in kind of his status rocket and catapult to fame. And then even his wife's illness and everything is like, he's being, it's almost as if he's a modern day prophet who was kind of doing his own kind of ascetic monastic work with maps of meaning and tell the truth and, studying psychology and doing all that and now all of a sudden it's just like okay coliseum time you're being like let's let's test this yeah you know i don't know i was just thinking about that as you were saying it because that's what that's what a little bit of it seems like to me because he's the true like i've never and even to this day even though i I, you know, there's a lot of people that I have resonance with and I relate to and things. There's no one quite like Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. that I've ever come across who's still living that I've, that I've seen talk actively who I've been like, 
he, I, I, maybe the easiest way to say it is this, is like, I believe him more than I believe almost anyone else. Like, yeah, I really he, think in a way he has put off deception more than anyone I've ever come across. Yeah, it's it's clear that when he's talking, he's interacting with a, a very um, complex substrate of, of ideas that have all have a long um, sort of um, history of their origin for him and other thinkers, but also within <coughs> they have this kind of long development within his own personal biography as well. Um, oh. Kind of it, um, it it's alive more, and and he's constantly. Oh. They're he, part of he, him. He's not just regurgitating ideas. He's and every time them, he talks about them, part of his he, being. Yeah, when he's even when he talks about something he's talked about before, he he's um, he's reinventing it to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I can listen to a lot of his stuff over and over and over because there's this kind of uh, life that he's breathing into the structure every time he reencounters it, which you know I think again most people aren't doing because I think they 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 think of the idea as dead, whereas he engages it as a living personality. Yeah, no, that's a really good way to say it. I think that's true. And I think that's when you almost know that you're, I would almost say in our, then in articulated language and in conversation, that's almost how you know that you're participating in logos. And, and I, and I think it almost feels kind of like a flow state because you're just, you're interacting it's it's a very Polanyi way. Like you're, it's it's the it's the knowledge of the. Dang it! I need to commit this to memory. The knowledge of like the approaching unknown. And so you're, it's this thing that you're always tapping into. This dream, this this unknown potential that's just that's always out there. And as you're engaging that actively, it you're you're saying and you're speaking things that are unfolding that have profundity and depth and like you said earlier like he he doesn't even know all the things oh no he does that he's saying and he he's aware that he's not and, but he he realizes that he can't yeah. worry about that he's like I, I gotta these are the things i know that got me here and i can focus on these things and everything else mm -hmm. i, I kind of let, let the chips fall where they may because i'm not enough of a person to deal with that and so there's this hey. humility that that's coming through every time yep. he's speaking as well that I think it draws. And you can't mind. focus on all that. It's just, it's too, it's too big. You know, you're, um, when you're engaging in the unknown in that way and articulating it and, and saying it, your conscious mind is only able to apprehend just bits and pieces of that. And so it's kind of like, speaking of that, like I've, an, an illustration of that in my mind, and this gets into like a, the conversation, um, I don't know that I had, was having with someone recently, I think it was maybe in a book club of the difference between true art and being an artist and propaganda. And, and I illustrated it by the new Joker movie, which I love, but, but I would argue that the, the writer and the director and even Joaquin Phoenix and all the people involved in the movie had no idea that movie is so good. There's no way the people who made it knew what they were doing when they made it. True. Like they just, I don't think they could have realized to the degree that they were. And this is why, this is why I think in terms of Jonathan Bajot, like, and why it's so critically panned somewhat and has low ratings and a lot of people don't like it. 
And, and I think the very reason they don't like it is because it's not ideological, because it's not propaganda, because it's actually good art. And so yeah. what it's doing is it's tapping into this thing that we don't know, and it's critiquing a lot of the things in us that we don't like, and people, are, and people don't like it. <laughs> and they don't understand why. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a deconstruction of so many things. Huh. Um, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, I, I saw an interview with Joaquin Phoenix where he, he specifically said the thing that drew him to the, the project was reading the script and not really having all these kind of conflicting emotions about the character. Um, oh. and, and so that, that to him was interesting. Like, I don't know the answer and I'm going to get to go on a journey to find out. And I, you know, I think yeah. even subsequent to the movie, he still kind of has some questions. And I think that's, that's what what art should always lead you to is to some sort of contemplation contradiction about, you know, it's, it's a distillation of, you know, very broad, you know, expanses of time that, that leads you to questions that, that in some sense don't have answers. Um, right. Well, that's, yes, that's, that's another thing that I was saying in this interview. That's what our art is transcendent. It's transcendent of time, which is why, good art or class that's what a classic is is something that isn't just it is maybe speaking to a current cultural moment but it's also speaking to future cultural moments like why is like why does the space trilogy work so well now or like 1984 works so well now mm -hmm. but it but they were writing it and speaking to things that speak because it's transcendent because it's tapping into something that is always true yeah. And and propaganda can't do that. It will never do that because it's the spirit of geometry and it, you're using it in an analytical, manipulative, transactional way to control. And art will never do that. Real art. It's it's uh it's beyond you. It's it's true in the truth outside what you apprehend. And and to to bring it back to the Joker, I, I remember I think it's true, we maybe watched the same interview, but Walking Phoenix, they were asking him, which a lot of people want to, which is a very standard thing, is like, you know, they said beforehand they weren't gonna make any sequels and like is this Joker ever gonna meet Batman? And no he's not, but like if he were to somehow interact with Batman, what would this Joker think? And and Joaquin was more um he was more uh, pleasant than he normally is in interviews because I think he hates them. But um, but he said something. Someone asked him. I think it was one of the better interviews that I saw, which I think was with Peter Travers. He asked him something like, and Joaquin really opened up, and he said, you know, I don't know. He said, we may do some. He said, I don't know that we'll do a sequel for sure or what it will look like. And he said, I, I didn't want to, and I wasn't going to before I made the movie. But he said, because, oh, this is what he asked him. This is the question. He said, is this like the role of a lifetime? And, walk, you know, or when you took it, did you think this is the role of a lifetime? And just instantly he was like, no. Uh, he's like, you know, because I just don't think of it that way. But then but then you could see in his mind, he's like, but, you know, he, he kept thinking about it. And he said, since making the movie, I would almost say, he's like, or I'd be more inclined to say that it was the role of a lifetime because he said, I can't stop thinking about it. He said, even since making it, he's just like, I call, uh, and I forget the director's name, but he says, you know, he's like, we talk about it like every day. Yeah. Yes. There's something about it that just has, that has gripped me. And, and we talk about ideas and themes and ways we could go with it. And, and I think that's true. 
and I'm sure that's true. Like, I don't think he's lying, but I think the reason that that is true is because, because it's just that good. And even they didn't know what they were doing, you know, when they made it, uh, because it, because they were tapping into, and I think the reason it stands out so much is because there's so little art in Hollywood. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just like crass entertainment or propaganda. I think that it shows to me that we're at some turning point in, in terms of things, because you're right. Cause I, I, there, Hollywood for me always, even when it was, you know, so caught up in its own crap, you know, to me, there it would still produce some percentage of movies that were really good, and I always felt like that was because there's some sort of error correction in the storytelling process that is forced upon you as an artist. Um, but I think that error correction only works like so. Every story is embedded in larger stories, um, and so I think that mainly worked in the past because we were still largely embedded in a, a very Christian narrative. And I feel like it feels like there is some mm, sort of yeah. breakdown right now where the, 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 the top middle right. narrative is kind of coming apart. Either it's either there's a vacancy there or something else is, is trying to assert itself in that place. And that it's leading to these movies that are kind of, it's lost that ability to, to, to kind of correct and turn even if even if they have some sort of you know particular intent if you have a good storytelling arc in the in the in the film it always points back to truth somehow but um yeah if it's a if it's a story that's gonna relate to people like that's why if even if people don't understand what they're doing if they're a good storyteller they're gonna tap into that because they have to to be a good storyteller. And when you were talking about that, it reminded me of uh, a Jordan Peterson interview when someone asked him, like, someone asked him, like, do you think society can continue on or without religion or something? And he essentially said no, because he said, um, the only reason it seems like we can now in this era of secularity is because, and this is where he used the things, he said, because we're eating on the dead corpse of a whale. He said, but eventually that dead corpse, you know, God is dead, is is going to be barren. And at some, and like at, at that point, that's when you have to, you know, revivify the whale somewhat. And I think that's kind of at the place where we are now with art. Actually, I think that's exactly what Joker's about is like, you want to know what happens when like all the food is gone and you're just left with the carcass? Mm-hmm. I think that's what that movie is saying, and uh, and it's speaking to particular illustrations and points of that, and it's told. <clears throat> see, that's probably why the Joker's good. Again, back to individual and universal, is it's a character study, right, about this one guy. But in the character story of that one guy, he turns into an archetype and and gives a narrative and a structure and all of these little micro truths about like our universal predicament because it's the universal in the particular yeah well it, it yeah Just, it's all the, all these things are exaggerations they're hyperboles of what happens to us in real life but they we're all in that story we're all the joker to some extent um yeah you were talking about recently um one of your conversations way back, you, you mentioned uh, Manchester by the Sea, 
and that mm-hmm. made me want to go watch it again. So I watched it recently, and I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was like, why is it such a gripping narrative? And I was like, realized, I'm like, well, part of it is gripping because all of us are that are that person that's made an, an unforgivable mistake. We're all that person, mm. you know, to some degree or another, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, so we, we all slot into that story. Um, though we sometimes yeah. don't want to identify with that. Man. Yeah. It's just the, the lack of, the lack of forgiveness and just living in that kind of ongoing hell. Um, God, that movie's so good. Yeah. It's a, it's brutal. It's brutal. I don't know. Yeah, that's what people people will realize and take away. But like, this is my this is my enneagram fourness. It's just like my favorite movies, man. They're just like rip your heart out. <laughs> the the darkness. Oh, because they're rough. All right. Well, so I I was just gonna say, I gotta I'm gonna have to go in like five. So okay. is that cool? Is this yeah, is yeah, this totally. a good enough test run? Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> play this back. You know, I, I'm. Hopefully this worked. Um, if not, um, I'll, I'll play around with it this more and give it a go again. Hey, we could also, yeah, if you've recorded this too, we could, like, I don't know who does it. If we could send it to Job, if he does Bridges of Meaning. It's a bomb. This is a discussion we can throw out to everybody. Yeah, I'll send this to you if it, if it comes out with, with both of our audios. I know it's recording mine. I just, I'm not yeah. sure. I, this is the first time I've tried to record from Discord. So hopefully that worked as well. Okay. All right, dude. Well, sounds good. Well, uh, uh, it was wonderful as always. Uh, one of my favorite conversation partners. So, yeah, same here, man. It was good, good catching up. All right, uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, man. Later. All right.